Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and we're going to talk about belonging today and how important is it to belong and why there's so much at stake when we don't belong. I know the pandemic disrupted a lot of people's rhythms and it's harder to make connections, but I'm pretty sure that every kid that gets in trouble, they feel at some point like they don't belong. And here to discuss this with me today is Dr. Andy Scudinga. He is a psychology professor here in Minneapolis. Always like having Andy on the show. Andy, welcome. Hey, thanks. It's good to be back. Just so you know, I'm sympathetic for your back. I know your back hurts today, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sympathetic towards that. I think many people over the age of 40 probably are. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's uh, One of my students today was like, I think, Professor Scudinga, you're just getting old. And I said, I think you're not going to pass my class. Yeah. That's a nice re- or nice response. Yeah, that was the end of that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, 20-year-old. Yeah. Just wait. Yeah. The more you make fun of me, the faster it'll happen to you. Yeah, I like that. So <laughs> today I want to I open up the text line if you have questions about belonging. I know that when you talk, uh, when I talk to people on my Real Recovery show, which is a weekend show on recovery from addiction, mm-hmm. 100% of the time I didn't fit in. I didn't belong anywhere. Yeah. So I found somewhere where I did belong. Yeah. And it was the people on the fringe. And I found a place where I belonged. Yeah, and I think there's nothing wrong with finding a place where you belong, even if it's on the fringe. Now, obviously, if you're, you know, you're getting into trouble, you know, if the fringe means, you know, drug use or, right. or alcohol use or, uh, you know, other things. There's, there's so many... There's so many options out there for people to get involved with something that they like, you know, whether it's playing board games or doing art or riding your bike or running or working out, coloring in the lines, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you can, you can find groups of people of your similar interest and that's incredibly valuable. Yeah. It really is. But I think uh, Andy, right now there's so much loneliness. There's so many yeah. people who feel left out. They don't know who they can turn to, who they can be with, who has their back. Yeah, and that that's a horrible feeling. It is. And then now uh, the church, obviously, that is the place where people should be coming to congregate and have fellowship and love and support. Um, but that's not always the case in this very broken world. No, and it's it's really easy to think that you're connecting with people when you're texting, or you know when you're in a Facebook group, or you're tweeting with a bunch of even like-minded people. That's that's not the same as being with people. We, we need to be with people and we are, we are hardwired to connect and secular psychologists will tell you unequivocally that we need to connect with other people, that belonging, a sense of belonging has been researched a ton, um, especially in the last 30 to 40 years, people started paying attention to this, um, like Baumeister and Sears, I believe started doing research on this in the mid nineties. And there's literally thousands and thousands of articles that have been done on the importance of belonging. And it has to do with being with people and trusting people, not just hanging out Mm -hmm. in a crowd. Because, you know, today we see a lot of people who are in a crowd and they say, I'm lonely. I go to a college and I'm 
I'm lonely. You I work with hundreds of people in a building every day, and I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just being with people; it's being in community with people, and that involves sharing and listening. It ha- it's both ways, right? It's not just well, tell me about your life, but I'm never going to say anything. It doesn't it doesn't work that way. You have to also share some level of intimate details about yourself with others or you don't build that trust. And that's where real relationship comes from. Mm-hmm. And there's some people that like to be alone in a crowd where instead yeah. of sitting at home and doing work, they'll take their laptop to a coffee shop Yeah, because they don't like being alone. They yeah. want to feel like they belong somewhere, even though they don't really belong, you know, with the people at the coffee shop. They're yeah. just in a, in a community and how important. And why is our heart so wired that way? I mean, you look at some groups Radical as they might be, you look at people who are Harley Davidson bikers and you see them in formation and they've got the leather jackets and the outfits and the bikes. And these are probably for the most part, a lot of very uh, independent, free, free thinkers, right? Yeah. Yet they, they can't wait to be part of this community where they know they belong. And some of the rules in that community, I think are some of the strictest around. Sure. And they refer to themselves as a brotherhood. Yes. You know, those are, it's mostly, it's a, it's a men's club and it's, it's a brotherhood and you're sharing, they're sharing values. They're sharing moral values, right? You might say bikers don't have moral values. You bet they do. Oh no, they do. They might not fit what yours or mine are all the time, but there's, there's a code that goes with that, that you subscribe to, that you agree with. And that links you together with somebody else who is like-minded. And this, I want to, I, I also want to point out, this has nothing to do with introverts versus extroverts. Because introverts, they need the same level of community and involvement with other people as extroverts do. Extroverts can tolerate more mm-hmm. and maybe crave more. And they get more energy from it? Yeah. And there's, and there's actually brain evidence that, that links that too. I mean, the difference between introverts and extroverts. Um, so it's not so much about that, about your personality type, as it is about how we're wired. Because mm-hmm. you, we know, you've talked about this on, on, on we've talked about this, and, and I'm sure other guests have too. God made us to be in relationship primarily with him, but also with one another. So right. we, we are born with this yearning to connect. And again, secular scientists recognize this too. They, they don't think, they're not going to talk about your, your need to connect with God but as believers, we do, and we know that's important, but it's also, it's not just God, it's our fellow human beings that we must be connected to. Mm-hmm. Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. We're talking about belonging. I'm curious if you'd be so nice to text over if you have uh, become part of a group uh, in the last five years, and maybe you were pursued or you pursued to be part of a group because you wanted a greater sense of belonging, I'd be real curious if you have done that in the last five years, and I'd love to know what group you gravitated into, and are you experiencing great fellowship? And do you feel like you belong? Yeah. So send it over, if you would like, to 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. Maybe you joined a bowling league on Wednesday nights, and you go with a bunch of people and you feel like you belong. That sounds pretty fun, actually. It does, doesn't it? I like bowling. Really? Yeah. Are you good? Well, it depends on what you mean by good. <laughs> Have you ever rolled a gutter ball? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? You're not yeah. good. You're not good. No. no. I I can't spin it and, you know. I know. 
That's I fire hard. it down the middle as hard as I can. Yeah, I do too. I throw it really hard, and yeah. you hope there's lots of pin action. Yeah, the pros, they put all that wrist spin on it, and it hovers along the gutter, right? Yeah, I don't like do that. 10 feet, and then it creams into the middle and just creams the pins. Yeah, I bowl like I run my life. I, <laughs> I kind of keep it, you know, not too, you know, want to get too risky, right? I play it straight down the middle, and usually that works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Again, if you have... <laughs> If you have joined a group or maybe you've become part of a group because you wanted to have a greater sense of belonging or a place to go where you could feel like, I belong here, and people have made me feel welcome, and the fellowship is rich, I'd be real curious as to know, what is that group? Was it a bowling league? Was it a group that gets together and and does uh, horticultural activities? You never know. Oh, yeah. Just be curious. Photography group. Community gardens are a, are a huge way to connect They're with huge. people. Yeah. That's a that's an outstanding way to do two things. You know, three things. You get outside, you grow something that you can probably eat, sell, or give to somebody. And then you hang out with your, your fellow horticulturists mm-hmm. who like to dig in the dirt like you do. Yeah. And then you build, again, you build that trust by you share a little bit more and share a little bit more as you get to know people. Mm-hmm. And the you know kind of the science behind belonging suggests strongly that trust is a significant part of this of this equation um you know we can actually learn a lot from herding herd animals say more like sheep so when you look at sheep they are if they're out in the wild right they stay close together because they know their safety in the herd mm-hmm. you move kind of toward the middle from time you know as you want to eat more you move toward the middle and then the sheep who aren't eating move toward the outside so they can serve as kind of protection for one another. And then if the herd moves, some more independent-minded sheep are okay standing on their own and being alone. But when people have done studies on how other mammals and actually human beings handle this, you're okay for a little bit. And then you look around and you realize, I'm by myself. Mm, interesting. And you are naturally driven to go reconnect with the herd that you're with because there's some safety in that we're more vulnerable when we're by ourselves we're safer and feel better when we're with others and you even get a little shot of oxytocin when you touch somebody but you have to trust them Mm -hmm. because when somebody touches you you don't know it's creepy and Mm -hmm. that's not a pleasant feeling necessarily so maybe for a few people it is but you know if you're in a crowd and somebody just comes and puts their hand on your shoulder and says hi you know my name is bill that's not normal, right? We would feel maybe even a little bit threatened by that. Um, but if you come up to me in a crowd and you touch my shoulder, I know you, Bill, and that's going to make me feel good. Like, hey, I know you. I trust you. We're connecting together. And you get this little hit of oxytocin. And we chase that just like we chase likes on Facebook. That's a little bit different chemical. That's a different neurotransmitter. But that oxytocin is something that we want to keep ourselves full of. But as one article writer I read earlier today has said, it doesn't come for free. Your brain just doesn't make this for you. You have to kind of earn it by connecting with other people. Dr. Andy Scuddinga is my guest. Andy, I just had a uh, something come in on the text line playing Pokemon Go. I have met a bunch of amazing people. <laughs> yeah. We have a great group and keep growing the game. That's pretty cool. Right? I mean, you're surrounded, you're, you're doing something with an objective. You have, so you have a purpose, yeah. right? The purpose is to collect as many Pokemon as you can. That's, I've just shared with you the entire volume of knowledge I have about Pokemon <laughs> oh, Go. I know yeah, you go around. more than I know. Yeah, you, you go around with your phone, you collect these Pokemon at different places. There's, it's like geocaching, 
Remember that when everybody's big, when you first got a, like a, you know, a GPS on your phone, oh, right. people go hide like a rock that says hi, you know, in the middle of a forest and you mm-hmm. can find it and yeah. you'd feel great. Right. Well, so Pokemon goes like that, but it's, it's definitely a communal thing that you can do together. And why not? You're walking around, you're having a good time. You can laugh and, and tell jokes and tell stories. And again, you build that trust and that, that, mm. you know, a deeper relationship with other people. And now that's your group. You belong. Yeah, yeah. we're going to continue talking about belonging and how important it is. The human psyche wants to belong. I think God has designed us, of course, that way to uh, love one another, be in community with one another. And a lot of times that happens in church, in church groups, in small church groups, but it also happens in recreational activities. You bet. In places where you can go and feel like you belong. Uh, if you have a story uh, that, of a group you have joined in the last five, ten years, maybe I should expand the the, the boundaries a little bit, um, maybe because you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, and right? I'd love to hear about that as well. A place where you go where you feel like you belong and you feel that trust that Andy's talking about. You can text it over to 877-933-2484. I'll be back with Dr. Andy Scudinga in just a minute. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other Faith Radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Welcome to the show. If you just tuned in, we're talking about belonging and how important it is to belong. And God wants us to enjoy fellowship and unity with one another and to love one another. And sometimes we find that that great enjoyment in being in groups and places where we go, where we feel like we belong. And Andy, I know I've heard this story before. Andy Scudding is my guest, where you hear about somebody that checked out a new church and you say, well, how did you like it? And they said, well, I went in there and nobody talked to me. Yeah. And they might be using yeah. that as an excuse. Or sure. they didn't, nobody talked to that person. Um, but I think they walked away going, I don't feel like I belong there. Like I could yeah. belong there. That's, it, it's a tough one because sometimes that's, I'm sure that's true. I mean, I've, uh, we've been to churches where you think, you walk in, you realize this is probably not a good fit. But it probably, it had more to do with, worship style or theology or, you know, there's a number of factors that can go into feeling like this is probably not a place where I belong. Um, so I, I totally understand that part of it. Um, on the other hand, I've, I've met people who also say, well, I've been here and I've been here and I've been here and nobody seems to want to include me. Well, I, I would always want to ask the question, well, what are you doing when you go there? Yeah. You know, do you, do you walk in, sing, pray, worship, listen to sermon, sing, and then walk out the door? Are you waiting? Are you standing in the middle of a big fellowship hall waiting for someone to talk to you? Do you, do you present yourself as being approachable? That That's a big part of it too. I mean, if you're, if you're looking clearly like, don't, don't talk to me. I don't want to be bothered. People can sense that it's, it, that's not that hard to, to give off that vibe. Like, I don't, I don't want to be bothered. Um, you can also give off the vibe of, please, somebody come and talk to me. You know, you don't want to look like a puppy waiting for someone to come and 
pet you and give you attention either. It's it can be a difficult situation for people who particularly aren't outgoing. But at the same time, I would I would challenge everyone to say, well, what what am I doing? Am I am I presenting myself in a way that's approachable? Am I talking to people in the pew next to me? I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm new here. How long have you been going here? Mm, yeah. What's this church like? And you might find that someone says, oh, well, I'm pretty new here too. I'm sorry I didn't talk to you. I thought you were here for a long time. We we did that once in a church we visited. We talked to somebody and we're like, how long have you been going here? They're like, um, today. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, well, so you don't know anything either. Let's talk to each other, right? Yeah. And so then you have a conversation and somebody else joins you and they're like, do we know either one of you? So there's uh, part of it, part of this whole thing about belonging we are not we're 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 not like fish that are waiting to be scooped out of a, a little tank with a net and being put into another location. When, if you're going to go looking for people, you have to take a step forward and introduce yourself. You have to be somewhat proactive, even if that's not in your comfort zone. You, you have to sometimes step out of your personal shell to get to know other people. Mm. So. A listener just uh, let me know that there is a condition that doesn't al- allow him or her to let anyone inside their house and can't go to someone else's house. Yeah. But went on to say, I enjoy being alone and I can honestly say I've never felt lonely. Sorry, I don't belong to a group and I don't play games. I'm too busy. That's okay. That's a-okay. Yeah. You know, not everybody needs that. Uh, you know, we everything's on a continuum, right? We have... People there are there are literally people who can go live in the woods for two or three years at a time by themselves. Yeah, and they're happy, and that's okay. They're not. That's not typical. That's very atypical. There are people on the other end of the continuum who can't be alone. Period. True. They just are. They need somebody around, and I mean, it's hard for them to even sleep in a bed by themselves. They mm-hmm. just they can't handle that, and so that's that's fine. And both of those people have different levels of needs. But most of us fit in that 80% window in the middle of the bell curve mm-hmm. where we have different, we have varying levels of, of you know, needs for this kind of stuff. Um, that's the people we're primarily talking about here. Mm-hmm. You know, to the person who says, I like, I truly like to be alone. I absolutely respect that. And I totally understand it. I have moments like that too. And I'm very extroverted. Yeah. But there are times where I just... I just want a couple of hours by myself with mm-hmm. nobody talking to me, nobody asking me a question, nobody wanting anything, and I just want to be alone. That's that's very normal. We should all enjoy that time by ourselves. But in the grand scheme of things, we still need connection and we still need people around us. Even those hermits who are happy living in the woods mm-hmm. for two years at a time, even they have to come in kind of out of the cold and interact with people so they don't lose their sanity. That's a That's a real thing. Yeah, well, God wants us in community. Mm-hmm. God wants us to find people that we can connect with and we yeah. can share the gospel and that we can let our faith shine and let our light uh, be seen by other people. Absolutely. So if if we never leave the house, um, that's, you know, and you can, that's a shame. If you don't leave your house because you can't, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, there are definitely, there are... Um, there are disorders that don't allow people, you know, like agoraphobia, for example. It's a fear of being in a crowd because you don't know how you can get out. Exactly. And that can be debilitating. Social anxiety can be debilitating. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, those are on a continuum too. Some are very strong and some are mild. You know, I've had, especially during COVID, we had a lot of students with social anxiety disorder. So they were diagnosed and they were unable to come to class because 
they had high levels of fear and anxiety that they were going to get sick. And there are plenty of people out there in the world today, some who are, I guarantee you, some who are listening right now who probably have some level of social anxiety disorder. They just can't, they can't do it. There is help for that. I mean, you can overcome that. There are lots of people who have. It's not so much about medicine as it is about therapy and learning different skills that you can have to cope with your feelings. Um, but, you know, like the, like the listener earlier, you know, if you go to work all day and you're just done with people, you are okay <laughs> being alone, and mm-hmm. that's what you want, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I do uh, appreciate how we have to um, take care of ourselves. Yeah. And yep. I think part of taking care of yourself is engaging in with other people, right? Yes. Now, I get to do that at my job, which is really great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I get to the end of my day and... And I don't have tons of energy to, <laughs> right. to talk at night, yeah. but I go to bed early too. But so, yeah, I do appreciate people that need to have their space because I know introverts and I'm one myself, mm-hmm. you get energy from being alone. Yes, absolutely. And, and, just and getting, that's getting alone with normal. the Lord. Yeah. And yeah, that's perfectly normal. I, I think sometimes people assume that, that the, the, the people who are happy being alone probably have something wrong with them. And that's totally not true. That's not true. Most most people in the world, a majority are introverts. It's like, I feel like it's 55 to 45, something like that. Um, but people think that everybody's extroverted because the extroverts talk a lot. We're pretty out there and we're very, you know, outgoing and whatnot. Um, but mo- more people are introverted than extroverted. Yeah. Well, at big churches, they always say the first thing you have to do is get into a small group. Mm-hmm. How are you going to be known or how are we going to? enjoy fellowship if yeah. you just attend the large worship service, show up and then leave. Yeah. You won't unless you have a Bible study that you're already a part of or you're in a community, you know, as part of your work, you're around Christian people all the time. Mm-hmm. You're always talking about your faith and, and your beliefs and whatnot. Um, but even then you still need people to just go out with and hang around with, do fun things with. Uh, not everything has to be serious that you do to be part of community. You mm-hmm. can you can have a lot of fun, um, and Bible studies are often fun, but oftentimes they're pretty serious too, right? You know, if you're in a if you're like in a prayer group, um, that's a fairly serious time. Mm-hmm. So there's we need different levels of these things too. I think to have some variety in our types of yeah. community. Andy, how many friends can you call at one in the morning, and they're and you can just call them because they're that kind of friend? Is it less than five? Probably, probably less than 10. Less than 10. Yeah. And I think that's pretty standard for most people. Yeah. And the minute they pick up the phone and you say, hi, they know who you're, they know it's you. Yeah. They don't have to even look at the caller ID on a phone. They can hear your voice and they're going to know who you are. Right. Yeah. Everywhere we've lived, we've always had a couple of families that we knew. If we have an emergency, I can call you. Yeah. If we are, if something bad happens... I guess that's an emergency, but um, if we get bad news, right? It's, it's nothing that happened to us, but we need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs a few people like that. We don't need a lot. You don't yeah. need 30 people on that's that true. list. I mean, do you know your neighbors? I mean, that can be a community in and of itself. That can be a place where you feel like you belong in your yeah. neighborhood, right? Yeah, we, we learned that this summer. We had something happen in our family, and our neighborhood absolutely responded. Wow. We got meals wow. and um, offers to you know to take care of our house for things. And it was a real, it was a real blessing. Yeah, that's I mean, beautiful. And these, these are not neighbors we are great friends with, but they're good neighbors. Yeah, amen. We're talking about belonging and how important it is to feel like you belong. I know a lot of 
kids who are in trouble when they're in high school. They always say, I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. If you have a story of belonging, we'd love to hear it. 877-933-2484. Dr. Andy Scudinga is my guest. We'll be right back. If you just jumped in your car and you're on your way home, thanks for tuning in. I don't know what's for dinner. I'm sure you'll figure that out at some point. Uh, we're doing KFC tonight because that. Well, I'm telling you now. <laughs> for those of you out there, I'm having Kentucky Fried Chicken tonight yeah. because I forgot to put the roast in this morning before okay. I left. And that's going to cost you. Yeah. That was my guest, Dr. Andy Scudinga. <laughs> he is a psychology professor at North Central University here in the greater Twin Cities area. All right, Andy, we had a couple uh, comments coming in, questions. Great. Do you think social media has a positive or negative impact on people having a sense of belonging? Well, funny you asked, right. listener. Uh, yes, it's a, it's a huge impact. It's, oh, man, it's... Social media is awesome and powerful and amazing, and it's also awful and terrible and amazing because mm-hmm. we have um, we have so many people who feel like they're connecting. The whole point of social media is connection, right? We we can connect with anybody in the world. We can we can tweet and we can share things on Facebook and we can put stuff on Instagram, and people like it. And I have no idea who they are. Right, and they don't really matter to me at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't care if if Joe in Kentucky likes the picture of my food that I ate last night on Instagram. But we think that we have community through this, and it's it's like a it's a false sense of community. It's like it's like eating sugar free maple syrup. It's just not the same thing. It's just not, and it doesn't fulfill you in the ways that you think. And so we turn to our phones when we're lonely because we want to connect. And so we write something on Twitter or we write something on a blog post and somebody responds. We feel like, "Okay, I'm 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 connecting with people." And that's a lie. You're not connecting with them. We need we need true real person-to-person connection. That's where you gain a sense of belonging. And social media falsely fills that hole and it fills our time with empty calories. Yeah, good point. Good point. Here's another. It, it really is another comment, Andy, uh, or question. Why don't churches do something on Sunday morning to let loners like me connect with a small group? It seems somewhat secretive and exclusive. Often, I don't know. Maybe it depends on what kind of church you're going to. Um, I'm not. I'm not quite sure how to answer that because I think even even you know without knowing you, listener. I mean, even you know self described loners. You, you still need to maybe go seek out the small group to join. I mean that that takes some effort on your part as well as the church's part. I, maybe I don't quite understand the question. Can well, you read it again? Yeah. Um, why don't churches do something on Sunday mornings to let loners like me connect with a small group? So maybe the comment that would be made that would be helpful is if you have not connected with a small group, we've got a handful of people that will. Be delighted to have a conversation with you about oh, what small yeah, group. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, what small group you might enjoy the most? Yeah, that makes sense based on your t- place in life and your age and all that. Yeah, we go to a fairly large church. I don't. Are we? Can we name our churches? 
on the radio. Uh, you, you, well, remember, we're heard all over the country. Yeah. Okay. So, so the church that we go to is a, is a very large church here in the Twin Cities. Thanks, Bill, for clarifying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and about once a month, they will the the local the campus pastor will stand up and say, "Hey, if you're interested in a small group, here's what we have available. These are the ones coming up. These are ones that anybody can join." There are other ones for, you know, we have ones for like married couples with little kids. We have some for, you know, older people who are retired. We have, you know, so on and so forth. If you're interested, come see me in this part of the fellowship hall afterwards, and I will help you get into a small group that fits you. And I think a lot of churches could probably take a lesson from that, even if they're small and you have two small groups, then put your two small group leaders in the back and say, if you're interested in joining a group, you talk to Bill, and you talk to Andy, and you talk to Sue. The three of us have a small group, and we'd love to have you join us, and we'll tell you what we're covering. I think that's that makes a lot more sense, and I think that's a great plan that any church could very, very easily do. And that's rolling up the welcome mat for sure. Absolutely. Especially if the senior pastor is saying, I can help navigate through small groups and help sure. you find one if you like. Yeah, and, you know, it's tough for churches because they want to welcome people, but you also don't want to smother them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have visited a few churches in our day, and sometimes you're like, you have like five people come swooping in on you like they're from a, you know, like a landing committee, like mm-hmm. you just landed on their shore, and they're, you know, they're offering gifts and connections. You're like, I'm just visiting my brother-in-law. It's okay. And I don't, I'm not going to come here. I live in Texas. You know, I'm just here for the <laughs> yeah. day. Right. And so you can, churches can go, they can overdo that. So it's, it's a fine line. I think, I think it's hard to navigate that from a church perspective sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think there's a balance because there are some people that are kicking the tires. Yeah. They don't necessarily want a lot of attention. They want to slip in, check things out and slip out. Yeah. It's, you're never going to know or read the minds of the people there. No, you can't. You just have to talk to people. Yeah. So, no, that's a, that's a good point. And we're talking to Dr. Andy Scuddinger today about uh, belonging. And it's pretty important to uh, feel like you belong. Uh, we love fellowship. We should be loving one another. Uh, so if you have a story or a comment, please text it over to 877-933-2484. A comment, I've been involved in a woman's Bible study for 48 years. No since way. I was married and my husband in a men's study also a life group with singles and married people that there's a, there's someone who feels like they belong. Yeah. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish there were more stories out there like that. The key, one problem we ran into a church we went to before we had kids in another, in another state. Um, We had a whole, it was a new church. It was a new church plant. We had a lot of seekers. We had a lot of new Christians coming to our, our church and we put everybody in small groups. It was kind of in the, the early 2000s when literally every church in America was like, small groups, right? This is the best way to do it. And so we had a bunch of small groups. The problem that we ran into was we had people staying in the same group and refusing to split and build other small groups. And so there's that there's that either or where I love the idea of having a, a small group Bible study with somebody for 48 years. I mean, that's amazing. That's pretty pretty cool. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I and agree. That, that is great that you were able to do that. The flip side of that is sometimes our small groups can be exclusive, right? And now these are our friends. These are our Bible study partners. And 
we really can't go with more than four or five couples, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. We have a limit that you can do with those things. But we are not going to let anybody join us either. And so you've got people on the outside looking in, and there's your missing belonging piece. Sure. Because we've heard that many times over the years from people who say, well, I'd, I'd love to join the group with those people, but they never let anybody in, and I feel like I'm, I don't belong here. Well, people who move to Minnesota feel that same anxiety as an adult trying to sometimes meet new people because yeah. in Minnesota, where you and I grew up, right? No, I didn't grow up here. Yeah, that's right. You're Colorado, aren't you? Um, I've been all over. Yeah. Tax no. problems? Chicago. <laughs> and no, my dad was not a pastor. Okay. I say I lived in Chicago, Phoenix, Seattle, Indonesia, Ames, Iowa, Sioux Center, Iowa, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wow. Oh, wow. and two years in Mankato during grad school. Okay. I think the point I was going to make was Minnesota people, for example, still have a lot of the friends they made when they were in first grade. Oh, yeah. So it's like my friend's chart is kind of full. Yeah. So I don't have tons of time to make new friends. You know, that's how a lot of people can think. It's it's totally true. And I have noticed that as well here. It's amazing how many of our Minnesota friends have people they've been friends with since they were six or eight. Yeah. When I lived in Phoenix, Bill, nobody was like that because it was an, it's, an, it's still a very transient place. Yeah. In our church... When I was a kid, there were people from all over the United States. Well, no, they were all from the Midwest where it was cold, and they all said, I'm going out of Phoenix. This is crazy. So we have all these families from all over the place, and they were very welcoming. When we moved to Seattle, Washington, we moved to a suburb there, and it was a lot like Minnesota here. Most of the people in that church had been there for two or three generations. And it was very hard for my family to kind of break into that. And we wanted to go to this church. It was a denomination that my parents were tied to for many years. And it was it took us a few years to fit in in that church because people were hesitant to say, well, you belong here. Yeah. And so I've, I've been on both sides of the ledger, and I understand what it's like to come in. It's, it's hard sometimes to kind of break into churches that have been established for a long time who don't get lots of new members. And I've been on the other side where we're trying to welcome people in and you can, you have to work hard to do that. Mm -hmm. And you have to make sure that you have rooms in all of your small groups for new people to join. So they do feel that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. Here's a comment, Andy, that just came in. I agree greatly with this subject. I have tried to reach out and it still does not happen. It is even worse in a small town. Oh yeah. Can you imagine how tough that would be? Yep. I know how tough it is. I've lived in a small town. I mean, if you consider like 9,000 people a small town, a which, small town yeah. which I do. Yeah. And yeah, you go to a church, you start to get to know people and you realize, again, this is like the fifth set of kids that have grown up in this church. <laughs> you know, like we've been here since 1849. We're like, wow, I've been here since 249 this afternoon, right? I mean, we just got here. And that could be tough to break into. And I feel like it, you feel like it is kind of breaking into something. Mm-hmm. Like there's this solid ring and you're busting into it and saying, here I am, right? And some of us are good at that. I'm very good at walking into a room and be like, hey, here I am. I'm going to be your friend now, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. You, you can't you can't deny me that. Um, I once walked into, when I was a stay-home dad, I went to a Bible study that was not for women, but it only had women. And it had for <laughs> years and years mm-hmm. and years. I can't remember what the name of it was. Another woman invited me, another stay-home mom. Well, I wasn't a stay-home mom. I was a stay-home dad. She said, you should come to this Bible study. There's like 40 or 50 women. Most of them, half of them are retired Mm -hmm. and half of them are young moms. And I was like, are there any men there? They're like, oh no, you'd be the only man. I Mm -hmm. said, all right, I'm in. 
So I walked into the middle of the room. I had brought my kids to the nursery, and I said, all right, ladies, here I am. I'm a man, and I want to study the Bible. And they all looked at me like, are you kidding me? And one of the oldest women there, you know, you think traditional, you know, what is a man doing here? She stood up and said, you're going to be in my group. Come on over here. No, that's now, great. that's belonging, right? And that's what we need to do to each other, whether we're at work or at school or at church or wherever we're at. When you see somebody who is new, who looks like they don't know what they're doing, you find them and say, hey, come on over here and join us. And that's in. Those are incredibly powerful words. Yeah, it does a lot for your psyche to all of a sudden oh, walk man. in and feel like you're being invited into the process or invited into the community. You bet. And you have that instant sense of they're making me feel welcome. Yeah. I don't know if I belong here yet, but because I think they named the Bible study, please don't come back next week, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the name of the Bible study. I did it for two years. Oh, wow. And it was really, really fun. I stand corrected. Yeah, I had a a great time. And we we went through these studies, and it was multi-generational. You know, like half the women of the group were like 78, Mm -hmm. and the other half were, you know, like in our late 20s, early 30s, and me. Yeah. Another comment that I'm in a life group with singles and married people, and I think it's probably a good idea to blend the two. It is. Isn't it? Because it's you can learn from each other and Yeah. And and yeah, I think it's good. And it's not like we have to be in one group. You know, if you're if you're a single person, I highly recommend you get into a small group with married people. And older people. Absolutely. I mean how how great is it to get their wisdom? Wisdom and, is oh yeah. It, this is exactly what I was thinking. Like you, we you, we can learn so much from older people. Says a guy who's forty seven now, right? I'm kinda I guess I'm kind of an older person. Um like I was reminded of my college student today. Yeah, you're just getting old, Dr. Scudinger. Yes, yes, I am. Um, but I still look to people in their 70s for, for wisdom. My wife and I have gone out a few times with a couple who are in their early 70s, and we love talking to them because we yeah. just ask them questions. What did yeah. you do? How did you handle this in the 80s, <laughs> you know, in the 70s, in the, the 90s when you were our age? Um, and that's, that's a great thing to be able to do. Yeah, there's so much wisdom out there. Yes. We just have to access it. And it builds trust when we ask people questions. Yeah, it does. We're talking about belonging today. And if you have a story or a comment, please text it over 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. My guest is Dr. Andy Scudinga. He is a psychology professor right here in the Twin Cities at the University of uh, North Central University. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you for joining me today. Dr. Andy Scuddinga is my guest. He's a psychology professor. We're talking today about 
belonging. And what is it about our human psyche that says, I want to be part of something. I want to belong. I want to go somewhere where people know my name. I want to have some kind of recognition amongst a group of peers. Those are important to me. Not for everybody, of course, but I think for a majority of people, they do like feeling like they belong. And I see too many stories, Andy, and I know you do too, because all you have to do is read the newspaper of some uh, young person that commits some horrible act, and it's always traced to them being a loner or feeling like they don't fit in. Yes. And they didn't have any friends. And I thought, boy, they just don't, they don't belong in, they don't feel like they belong anywhere. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And it's, it's terribly sad. And we want to look for somebody to blame. Like they were bullied. It's someone else's fault. It's the other kid's fault for not accepting them for who they are. And sometimes those are, you know, not sometimes. I think those are always two-way streets. Um, I don't remember which famous shooting it was. Um, it was something, maybe it was the Uvalde shooting. They described this kid as being a loner, like like many mass shooters mm-hmm. are. He, he was a loner. Um, but a lot of his, the, the students who knew him fairly well, who were kind of friends, they were very clear that this guy, he wasn't nice. And he was hard to get along with. He wasn't pleasant. He was rude. He was mean. He was basically antisocial. And for when people are, are are extremely alone like that, a lot of those a lot of those kids who who do commit horrible crimes or adults too who are loners, um, it's it's not always just because people were mean to them, and, and it's not always just because people deliberately left them out. Some of those people deliberately left themselves out. They they weren't good with people. They weren't kind. They weren't nice. They weren't approachable. Um, and it's not you know it's not violent video games. It's not watching violent movies that make people do those horrible things. It's a it, there's a there's something deep and dark uh, within those people that needs help, and many of them don't have it because they don't have community around them to say, hey, you need help with this, or let me help you with this. They just don't have that, or they refuse to accept it. That's also part of the equation sometimes too. Yeah, that's for. Terribly sad. Terrib- it is terribly sad. You have to accept help. I mean, that's we can people can offer help for lots of different things, but we still have to we still have to take it and and do something with it. You mm-hmm. know, I can offer you medicine. You have to take it. I yeah. can offer you therapy, but you have to be willing to be open and share and and do some personal work. Mm-hmm. And you know, not everybody wants to or is willing to do that. A regular guest on the show, and I know he has shared this on the air, so I'm not speaking, but David Miles. Rosie uh, tells a story of him cleaning out his locker because he wasn't planning on being back mm-hmm. the next Monday at school because he was planning to take his life. Mm. Yep. And some kid said to him, hey, David, you want to go to a Bible study with me? Happened mm. that day. Wow. Yeah, and he agreed to go. <laughs> and he came to faith eventually. Yeah. Um, but he felt recognized, felt noticed, felt like somebody cared. Yes. And changed his, his life doesn't take much. I don't think we have to suddenly become everybody's best friend who seems True. lonely. We do not have to do that. Deep friendship takes time. It takes effort. It takes trust. And it takes disclosure of yourself and, you know, intimate details about yourself. Um, you know, emotional intimacy, not, not physical intimacy. It takes emotional intimacy. That's how you build friendships. And we're not all capable of adding new friends. We have a limit to how many people we can be close with. But Man, just being acquaintances with people can sometimes have a huge impact. 
you know, if you have a coworker who never seems to talk to anybody, we, we need to make a point to speak to that coworker and just to let them know, hey, you want to grab coffee sometime or we should eat lunch together sometime. And they might say, no, thanks. I really like my lunch times alone because I'm on the phone all day and I, I need a break. I want to be by myself. Yeah. But thanks for asking, right? That's mm-hmm. Those are the little things that we can do for one another. When you see somebody who doesn't look super happy, it's okay to say, hey, everything okay? And if they unburden themselves on you and you don't really want that, well, then don't ask. But that's something we sometimes need to be willing to do for one another is just ask that honest question and let people be genuine mm-hmm. without the belief that we have to fix it. We don't have to fix it. We can just listen, and that makes people feel part of something. Yeah, and it does come with a risk, doesn't it, Andy? Of course it does. Because they might tell you about a lot of things you don't really want to hear about. I get it. But just to initiate conversation and to show care and concern, which should come naturally to all believers, Mm -hmm. there is still some risk involved. You bet. I've told this story because it happened uh, to me in a grocery store, and I struck up a conversation with an elderly woman, and she said, thank you, nobody ever talks to me anymore. Oh, that's so sad. I think it's sad too. Yeah. And it just kind of broke my heart and um, had a nice little chat with her. And she turned, in October, she turned 103. <laughs> I know that gets, uh, it gets a laugh every time. Wow. Because it doesn't seem real. But yeah. That she, is she admirable. People, they don't talk to me. No one talks to me anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing most of the people she knew are long gone. They're long gone. Her kids might be deceased. No, her kids are alive in in their 70s. Wow. But still, you don't have, uh, you want human connection. Yeah, we do. You enjoy people having conversations. That never ends. I mean, it's a developmental absolute. We have to, infants have to have, they have to be held. Yeah. They have to be nurtured or they won't. They either won't survive or they will be developmentally delayed and sometimes forever. You know, there's all these horrible stories of orphanages where you've got 200 kids in 200 cribs in a room where they have a TV on one end of the wall and they have two nurses taking care of these kids. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really happen very much anymore, I um, mean, you would hope. But those kids, when, when they're not being held and picked up, they don't learn how to speak. They're intellectually, their intellectual growth is stunted. Their emotional growth is stunted. Because that's a key piece of development is being held, being loved, yeah. and belonging to someone. Even if you're not part of a family, when you are being held, you, you belong. And that is incredibly powerful. And the greatest place to belong is in the family of God. And when you come to faith yes. in Christ, you are adopted into God's family, as it says in John one twelve. Um, and then you become part of God's family, and there's no greater place to belong than right there. Co-heirs with Christ. That's where it's at. Yeah, yeah. So You always have brothers and sisters. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And God wants us to love one another and be connected to one another. And in this day and age, Andy, let's just take social media out of the equation. Sure. And you look at some of the problems we have because of things like politics and other things. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons people divide quickly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's tough to recover from. I mean, we've heard so many stories in the last two, three years about people who can't be friends. They've ended friendships over politics. And it's yeah. like, where where are we? I You know, not to get too political, but I think I've, I've been reading some things about our the election that just happened on Tuesday, and people are tired of extremism on both mm-hmm. sides of the aisle. They just want to be able to have a conversation again with their neighbor. When the political signs come out, 
you, you want to be able to go to your neighbor and say, tell me why you want to vote for this man or this woman. And you want to be able to say, oh, because I believe in these things. And you want to be able to say, oh, okay, I think I might disagree with that, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll we'll see who wins and we'll live with what happens. And that's just not happening anymore. Yeah. People are. And we're still neighbors and we still yes. belong to the same block and that's the right. same community and neighborhood. Yeah. But, but that sign comes out and now we're going to be enemies. And that's yeah. just, that's not a healthy way to go. Well, there's been plenty of opportunities for division, even if you think of the pandemic and did you get vaccinated or not vaccinated? There's oh, another, right. you know, huge dividing point for a, a lot of people. So, yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of places to divide. I want to say let's look for reasons to connect and to have unity and and love one another. Absolutely. Those are things that keep us healthy. Yeah. And happy. Yeah. And if you don't feel like you belong tonight, I want you to know that if you are in Christ, you do belong. And you belong with us here at Faith Radio. If you listen to Faith Radio and uh, tune in, we love you uh, and you belong with us. That's right. And we're going to be here for you 24-7. I like it. Yeah. So Dr. Andy Scudding has been my guest. And Andy, I appreciate every time you come on the show, I always have fun with you, which is kind of a fun part of having you on. Oh, it's a great time. I always look forward to it. And I hope your back feels better. Thank you. Yep. And (laughs) Me too. Yeah. I appreciate that. You're just getting old, Andy. I know. (laughs) I know. Uh, Yeah. And thank you for tuning into Faith Radio today and spending time with me. I hope you spend time with Susie, and maybe you got to hear Carmen this morning and some of the other programs on the network throughout the day. I hope this is the place you come to get your uh, spirit fed and your self encouraged. And I hope you had a few smiles today when you listen to my show. So thank you for listening and thank you for supporting Faith Radio. You are absolutely the very best, and we will be praying for you. Uh, some of the uh, some of the texts that came in. If you feel like you're uh, don't belong or you feel like a little bit of a loner, just remember. God loves you, and we do too. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.